Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the lead pastor at Christ the King, and you're listening to our Advent Psalm series. Today's psalm is Psalm 95. I'm going to read, and then we'll reflect and pray together. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are all the depths of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. Forty years long I was grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, of whom I swore in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. One of the most frustrating things that I think inevitably happens when you read the Bible regularly, maybe especially the Psalms, is being confronted with something that you don't feel like hearing. Let's say you wake up, you've got your coffee, and you're ready to be with God. You feel warm, worshipful, and then it's one of those angry Psalms. You know, the violent and a little self-righteous sounding ones. So you skip over to the next one. Uh, Or other times, it's that you're not feeling especially warm toward God. And you'll come across a psalm like Psalm 95, telling you to make a joyful noise, to fall down and worship, when you're feeling a long way from doing either. Well, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you feel like worshiping. Maybe you don't. But the psalmist is clearly ready to go in, and he makes several different explicit calls for us to come with him, to come and make a joyful noise, to come into the Lord's presence, to come worship and bow down, to come and listen to his voice. The call to come stands out in this season of Advent, in which come, O come, Emmanuel, is the standard prayer and repeated refrain of the church. We've been singing it for a couple weeks now. We are praying for Christ to come, just as the psalmist is petitioning God's people to come. And that idea or image maybe often struck me during the season of Advent. The church is calling for Jesus to come And through the readings and the liturgy, our prayers, the Holy Spirit is calling for the church to come to Jesus. And it's like life stretches out between us like this chasm that for whatever reason, sometimes it seems like neither of us can cross. 
Jesus is calling out to us to come. We're standing on the other side calling out to him to come. What if one Sunday while we were singing, Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we heard God say, I'm here. Can you come to me? Well, in the event that you feel like you're stuck on one side of the chasm today, I like to think that the psalmist is perhaps offering a way forward, a way to cross over. Don't just stand there. Come, he says. But come where? Come how? His first exhortation is to come into worship, to literally come and sing. Move toward the place where we can be with people who are making a joyful noise, offering thanksgiving. So I want to say a quick word about musical worship. A lot of things, of course, can be counted as worship and should be. I remember when I was in seminary, my prayer was that my studies would be an act of worship. I wasn't always able to go to church as much as I wanted to be able to. The church where I was attending, I didn't particularly love the musical worship there. So I needed something to connect me to God. When I became a mom, similarly, my prayer was that the work of parenting would be worshipful. Some days, it was more so than others. Most others. You may have your own list. But the reality is that musical worship, as important as those other things are and can be, does have a unique role to play. It has a unique effect. For example, when Saul was troubled in his spirit, do you remember the story from the Old Testament, King Saul? He summons as David to come and play the lyre to ease and maybe even exercise the demons tormenting his soul. And it works. Music has a way of tapping into our system, and that's by design. When songs are arranged to elicit an emotional response, that's not manipulation. I mean, it can be. But percussion and certain chord progressions move us literally for a reason. And that's because sometimes we can't move ourselves. So I would exhort you like the psalmist, find a way to sing. Find someone on Spotify who's singing a song of praise and sing with them, or at least listen to them sing. If you feel like you can't sing to God anymore, go find a song that you used to sing and just listen. If you struggle with a musical worship in your church, maybe you're grieved by it, today put your favorite worship song on in your car and go to church. Go in with the psalmist. However you do it, Today, the psalmist, the Holy Spirit, I think, is calling us to come into a place of worship through singing. Maybe what he's saying is that's a bridge across the chasm. His second exhortation is to consider nature, which, of course, is another way people worship. He writes, 
In verse 4, in his hand are all the depths of the earth, and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands prepare the dry land. He's drawing attention to the immensity of God through creation, specifically God's hands. In his hands are all the depths of the earth. He holds the deepest parts of the ocean in his hands, and his hands crafted the entire surface of the ground. Nature's impossible to take in. It is for me, anyway. The sheer magnitude of it all. It bends our brains. It's so vast, so incredible, so intricate and sometimes terrifying. And God holds it all in his hands. Then the psalmist says this, O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. So, yes, we're called to worship on account of God's grandeur, his mighty works to proclaim, as they say. But not so that we get lost in the bigness of it all. Actually, it's exactly the opposite point. We are not a speck of dust in a sunbeam. Or maybe we are, but if so, we are a dearly loved speck of dust. We are also in his hand, held like treasured sheep, at home in this world that he has made, so vast, so incredible. Also the pasture that he's made for us, for communion with us. So we're not standing alone with a chasm fixed between us. And even if there is a chasm, that chasm, like the depths of the ocean, is in his hand. We are not standing alone. We are, and you are, the sheep of his hand. One of the best moments of the psalm is the last stanza when suddenly, out of nowhere, God speaks like he's been there all along. The psalmist says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And then, When your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works, that's God's voice, as if he's been there all along. And of course, he has. That's the point. We're not standing alone, petitioning God across a chasm that is life. We are being held. Even if you're in the dark and you can't see, the darkness is as light to him and you are being held. So it's with that thought in mind, I want to invite you to pray in the way the psalmist has invited us to pray. Sing, or maybe go for a walk outside. Because who knows, maybe, just maybe, God is already waiting for you there. Like he's been there all along. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.